0: Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by Up. I'm Owen Chatterick, and joining me as always is my co-host, Johnny Matthew. Johnny, how are you today? I'm great, Owen. Thanks to everyone for tuning
1: in, whether they're watching or listening. We have a great interview today with for a little bit. He was the manager of the Nashua Silver Knights as we're recording this Saturday. I went I was at the game last night. Their coach Kyle Jackson got tossed. Ariel came in, uh, he he sent Nick Remy out to the mound. Nick had three shutdown innings after Wyatt Scotty threw seven strong and Nate Goranson and the Silver Knights walked it off against Vermont.
0: Yeah, that was certainly an exciting game. Myself personally, I visited Westfield and Pittsfield this week. Pittsfield for the first time since the all-star game for me. It was great to be back in that atmosphere. Wakona Park is such a historic park, and shout out to Matt Gedman and everything that the Pittsfield Suns are doing over there. But yes, we had Ariel Ramos, the assistant coach for the National Silver Knights on this podcast. He was great to talk to. He has such a unique perspective for the game and the league, among other things. And we don't want to hold you up anymore. So without further ado, we present our interview with Ariel Ramos. Let's roll. At this time, we are honored to be joined by our next guest, who is in his second year as pitching coach in Nashua and his third year in the Futures League. It's Ariel Ramos, pitching coach for the Nashua Silver Knights. Ariel, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Guys, I'm doing good. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, we're honored to have you. And we're really excited to get this interview started. And right off the bat, how has this summer been so far with this return to normalcy after the wild year that was COVID-19?
2: Um, it's been really good. I mean, just having the fans back, having the kids on the field again, you know, just having a feel for normal, you know, the kids coming up and running around the bases and you know, that that interaction with the uh with the fans, you know, it's 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 been great. You know, we've missed it last year and just happy that that everything is back to normal, or close to it.
0: Yeah, close to it for sure. And one thing that didn't miss last year was the Silver Knights. You guys won the 2020 Futures League Championship, which on this podcast Kyle Jackson gave you a lot of credit for helping accomplish. What was it like winning the title at the end of the year and getting that bling on your finger?
2: It was uh, it was quite a uh, an accomplishment. I mean, it was it was almost a sprint because obviously, like the year before that. You know, typically the futures league we're playing 56 games. This year we're playing 68. It was it felt like it was a dead sprint. And in the beginning, you know, it's kind of, you know, we started 0-3, so we didn't know what to expect, but we kept the, the kids positive and the organization had our back, you know, the organization was very supportive of what we were doing and it was fantastic. I'll I'll never forget those moments, especially that that series against uh, the Bravehearts. It was quite amazing.
1: Yeah, it was very exciting. And you guys came back and came out on the right side of it. So whether it's last year or this year, walk us through a game day. For example, this weekend, you have a home and home with, with Norwich. What are you telling your pitchers tonight? What are you telling your Sunday guys to do tonight? What's that like?
2: The biggest thing every time that, that I have a meeting with the staff is just understanding is just building that relationship and having them build that trust. Where it's if I give a suggestion, it's like, hey, what do you think about this? You know, just being in tune with that. It's been great. When, when I do have the meetings, it's like, hey, make sure the only thing that you could control is the next pitch. Regardless of what you threw, the previous pitch Let's just try to be aggressive, try to get the batter out is less pitches that way we could keep you in the game to be most efficient. So the, those, are the, those are the types of conversations that I've been having lately with the guys is just trying to keep the, their morale up as a staff or as, a, as an individual and just kind of going from there. It's been going it's been going well.
1: Yeah. So we certainly saw that morale last night. We're we're recording this on Saturday for the Monday release. So Friday night, you guys walked it off. Wyatt Scotty threw a great game, seven innings, two runs, I think five K's, no walks. And then Remy came in and threw three scoreless, some big punch outs for him. That was intense the whole way. So how does it feel having that come all together for a great three to two win like that?
2: It was great. I mean, Remy came in and he had a perfect opportunity and I'll walk you through before we even started the game. We, we had a talk. We needed a little bit more depth in the, in the bullpen and we were just going over it. And he felt like when it was his next time to pitch, that opportunity... He was going to pitch with a chip on his shoulder, and that's exactly what he did. It showed a different side to him. We could rely on him on, on closing out those games. So I think the conversation that we have with him in the next couple of days is going to be something geared towards that. It is making sure it's like, hey, we need that, that bottom end depth. We have, you know, Driscoll, we have Murphy, but he also gives us more of that depth towards, you know, to close those tight games.
0: Yeah, and whether it's Remy or Scotty, you just named a couple of pitchers who have had success this summer, and one of them in particular, Nick Arena, who found so much success last summer. He was on the LFCBL first team. He was a big part of your championship run. What was it like working with Nick, and what has impressed you most about his game?
2: I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's these D3 guys, they go out, especially like grino He goes out, and it's just like, I, I don't care who is going to bat against me. I don't care if he's from this top division one program, whatever it is, he's like, my goal is to throw my best pitch, whether you hit it or not, it's up to you, but that's the only thing that I control. So it's just that fire that, that, that you have with these division three guys that they want something to prove, you know, and he's always proving day in and day out that he could hang with these guys. And that's what he showed last year. And that's what he's showing this year as well. He's very consistent. It's been, he's been throwing very well for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've noticed that as well. So whether it's D1, 2, 3, or in the FCBL, you can have high school guys even. How do you develop pitchers over a summer? Because some guys you only have for a few weeks, but some guys you have, you know, from May to August. How do you do that? And how do you, what do you send them back to school with?
2: If they need work on something, but they're not in tune in hearing you out, they're not going to get anything out of it. And I think that's the big conversations that we have with the individual player. It's like, hey, what do you want to get out of summer ball? Do you want to get just innings in? Do you need an off-speed pitch that you want to work on? Is there a type of location? Keeping your feet underneath, using your lower body more efficiently, staying loose, you know, through the release into deceleration. Like those are the type of things that I have conversations with the pitchers. It's like, hey, what do we need to work on? And what's your goal? What's your obtainable goal that you have today in order to meet that so when you go back into your program into fall ball they go in and the coaches is just like wow this is totally different it's working ball's moving a lot more he's a lot more efficient he looks a lot more smooth and that's what I take pride in as a as the pitching coach for Nashua
0: yeah and kind of as a follow-up to that do you ever face challenges with motivating pitchers obviously these kids are here to kind of transition to the fall and some might not be as motivated. So Basically, what are your biggest challenges as pitching coach, if you have any, when trying to reach these pitchers?
2: I think what's what's actually helped me is talking to these, these individual pitchers about not so much about baseball and what they could do on the mound or in the bullpen. It's life, life situations. So I, I use a lot of with my guys. It's like, hey, you know, I relate. Let's say like today's topic was accountability. So I would tell them, hey, in the Marine Corps, you know, I went through this and that because of lack of accountability. And it just kind of brings that in together. That way they could formulate their strategy and their routines to kind of go based off of that. So I try to take them away from baseball. That way they could kind of just step away, realize what they need to do and what adjustments that they need to make in order to come back. And and make those routines and make those adjustments.
1: Yeah, you certainly have credibility there for when you talk about things like accountability. We'll, we'll definitely get to some of that later. But you're uh, certainly a well-respected member of the Futures League. You're in you're in the North. You're with North Shore before you're with Nashua. So it's been three years, I think, now for you as a coach here in the Futures. What's your experience been like in the FCBL overall?
2: I think it's been great. So I, I'm seeing, so I'm, I'm also a pitching instructor for Striker Performance, LLC. I, I just started it last year and I wanted to get into stuff like that because what I've noticed in the game, whether you know it's in the high school, college level, even in the pros, it's starting to, starting to trickle in is the development of the individual player and using their strengths and making sure that you're working on their weaknesses. So I, I think this league has done a very good job on just making sure that player development is on top you know and making sure that the players are getting their reps making sure that that they're getting their at bats their innings in working on the side i've talked to other pitching coaches and other managers in the league and and that's that's the good thing is that everyone's working together to make sure the common goal is is to make these players better and to get them onto the next level
0: yeah that's great and it's very important to do that as a pitching coach for sure we wanted to ask about Bill Terlecki, obviously a very important part of the Navigators and you know, so devastating to hear of his passing. And we wanted to ask you specifically, what impact did he have on your life? And what were some of the most important things that you learned from him?
2: I'll actually tell you before that. So I'll tell you how I even got the job for Navigators. He played a huge part. He played a huge part in my, in my life and as a mentor. I used to sell bats. I own Griffin bats. And what I did is I presented bats to them. And um, we used to, you know, communicate. They used to buy bats off of us and, and, and some of the teams in the league. But I was working on my master's degree and, and at Endicott. And I went to Bill and I was like, hey, I, I need an internship. And he's like, yeah, sure. Just send me your resume. So he looks in the resume. He's like, he's like why do you want an internship? You know, you're just going to be, you know, cleaning and doing all this stuff if your resume is just all pitching. You know, you played, you coached. He's like, luckily, for, l- luckily for you, um, there's an open spot. Well, so, uh, I, I can still remember one of the last conversations that I had with him before his pass. and, and he's like, "Hey, Ariel." He's like, "I'm going to tell you the truth." He's like, "I'm in, I'm in the sixth inning of a nine-inning ball game," and I was like, I, "I, I understood exactly what what he was getting to," but it the atmosphere that he brought, it's a, you know, every day that you have that you're able to step in the ball field and 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 talk to your players and stuff like that that is a complete blessing you know so i i got that that that's what i got out of it is understanding that it is a privilege to be you know a part of this league and to impact these these young players and their development but it's a blessing to be able to wake up each day and be able to put on your uniform and and to be able to 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 mentor players and just just to just to make the bit, just to make a positive influence on on the organization as a whole, and that that's what I got from Bill, um, and uh, and that's what I, I try to carry on to every organization that, that I go to, uh, or my business that, that that I do is just to make sure that I'm I'm positive every day, and and it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be a part.
1: Yeah, we never got the chance to meet him, but we've only heard great things.
2: Oh yeah, he 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 was one that if he i'll tell you he was a straight shooter uh, if he didn't like something he would he would grab you tell you exactly what it was you know so uh, I, I admired that about him and and you know and that's that's something that as a coach i i try to I, you know i try my best to, to to try to carry on is to make sure that i give my guys the utmost respect but when they need the feedback whether it's positive or negative the constructive criticism i give it
1: We'll be right back to our interview with Ariel Ramos. But first, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England. Not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a T and hitting net. looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine they have you covered the team at 78 sports has designed and installed hundreds of home and commercial sports training facilities so let them help you plan the perfect setup for your space visit the 78 sports website at 78sports.com that's s-e-v-e-n-t-y number eight sports.com for a limited time just by mentioning back to the futures you'll receive a 10 percent discount off your order That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to Ariel Ramos. So there was a Ted Williams-like hiatus during your playing career. You served in the United States Marine Corps. You had a long deployment in Afghanistan. First of all, thank you for your service. When did you decide to be a Marine?
2: I had a chance to go to the Dominican Republic after high school. And uh, I went out there with Detroit, and I didn't – I was so naive that I had an opportunity to sign, and I felt like I was at the time I was worth a lot more than, than what I really was. So what I ended up doing is um, I ended up coming back to, I ended up coming back home. I worked a little bit of construction. After that, I took a year off and then I went to, to Northern Essex Community College. Then I was doing a homeland security and um, we had a guest speaker come in. He was a state trooper a mass state trooper and he wore his uniform and I'm like man you know what that's what I want to be I don't want to be a baseball player anymore you know I, I seen the politics what was going on in the Dominican I wanted nothing to do with it so I just wanted to get away and I, I spoke with the state trooper and he told me he's like hey he's like I, I you know what got me into this was the Marine Corps and I was like you know what that's what I want to do so when I joined the Marines that's that was my goal in the beginning and then it completely changed when I was in, I thought I was going to be able to do 20 years and retire with a pension and, and do all this, you know, cool stuff. Uh, I was in, I was in slot to do, you know, the special operations stuff and uh, my deployment to Afghanistan completely changed my life. It, com- it completely changed my perspective of life and, and how valuable life is where life could be taken away in an instant. You So just making sure, you know, preparing and all that stuff. But that's what kind of led me into it. After that, I got into the, I, I got out of that deployment, thank God. And um, from there, I decided to go back into baseball. I just needed something else. It was just a, it was just a void that that that, that I needed to fill. And um, I, I had, I, I made contact with uh, at the time, uh, Coach Pine, JP Pine, which he's been an inspiration and a, and a mentor to me as well as Bill was. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, he's like, come to Daniel Webster and, and let, let's see what you got. See, you know, what, what you could do, you know, after four years of being away from baseball. So I was I was blessed to, to have that opportunity to come back and, and be able to play at the collegiate level.
1: We're going to get to that other ring you won with Daniel Webster in a sec as well. <laughs> so you touched on whether it was accountability that you talked to with your players or learning how precious life is, what are some of the other big lessons you learned from being, whether it was in Afghanistan or the Marines in general?
2: Being able to just put the team and the mission ahead of yourself, ahead of your well-being. So I I learned as being a non-commissioned officer, as an E-4, uh, as a corporal, and and as a sergeant, it's, it's not about you anymore. It's about your troop welfare. So that's something that, I've been harping on the staff about this year. It's like, hey, you know, you guys see me. I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my best. I'm throwing batting practice. I'm hitting fungo. I want you guys to understand that I'm doing this to the betterment of the team and the organization. So I I think that was the biggest lesson that, that, that I've had is just to make sure that when you're in a position to lead, you don't lead from the back, you lead from the front. So, uh, and I've been fortunate to do that in Nashua. And, and the support that I've gotten from the organization has let me do that. And I thank them every day.
1: Yeah, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're yeah, welcome. And thank you for your service.
2: And my, my honor, my honor.
1: All right, so when you returned, you talked about it. You went to Daniel Webster. You were the 2013 NECC champion. You were a, part of the, a major part of that pitching staff. What was it like to come back after so many years uh, without playing baseball?
2: I'll tell you this. and It's funny because I I was looking at I was looking at the newspaper clipping not too long ago and JP spoke about it. And he was just like, hey, you know, I went out to mound visit and this was against Rhode Island College out in Florida when we were playing. And he does, you know, I go in and I'm, I'm. I'm walking the house, you know, and he goes and he comes in. And he's like, Hey, what's going on? I was like, Hey, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just a little nervous. You know, I just got to breathe. He's like nervous. You were just dodging bullets, you know, in Afghanistan <laughs> less than a year ago. He's like, what? he's like, he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, you do what you got to do, you know, stay relaxed and stay with them. And I'll still remember that conversation. And it just kind of brought it up the other day when I, when, when I looked at the newspaper clipping, but It's just having, you know, JP at the time just kind of bringing me down to earth. It's like, hey, this is a game, you know, just relax. Don't be so uptight. You don't have anything to worry about. You're the one controlling the game as a pitcher. You control every single pitch, right? Nothing happens until you throw the pitch. So. I've been fortunate to, 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 have, to have JP to help me out with that in 2013. And um, that, that was a fantastic year. I mean, I, I went in, I, I was there in January. I was a transfer. So I wasn't there in fall. And those guys, that that team, was. they, they brought me in like I was there with them playing for four years. Like That's was, even crazier.
1: Years. So you just showed up in January?
2: Yeah, I showed up in January. I was doing my own work before then. And I'm telling you, I, I remember the first day of practice, the players, you know, they're, they're hugging me. And, and, you know, I'm just like, who are these guys? <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, yeah, they're hugging me and shaking my hand and joking around with me. And they, they, they brought me in and, and they've supported me through throughout, throughout the time. And, and even that, after most of those seniors and juniors graduated, they were still coming back and, and supporting us, you know, while I still had the you know junior and senior season, it was great support from them, from JP, from the assistants from Nate Goulet at the time, from Mike Miller at the time. It was good. And, and their families as well.
1: Yeah. I, when we confirmed this interview, I read that newspaper clipping and got a, got a smirk out of that too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's funny.
2: Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was definitely magical. We, uh, so it, it was, we, we were the first team in history to go into regionals and win. Uh, we, we ended up beating MIT. I started that game. That was the game. So we lost to Southern Maine the day before. So we won that game to, to go into the semifinals against Wheaton. And Wheaton ended up uh, beating us 3-1. It was a close game, but we were there. So
0: it was good. It's a good experience. And you talked about earlier how Bill Trelecki read your resume and, Told you that you should become a coach. Was there any other indication that you were like, "Oh, I want to become a coach"? Basically, what led you to want to become a coach? If even if you didn't,
2: it was the timing of it. Like honestly, like I going to Endicon, working on my master's in general management. I was like, "Look, I want to work front office. I want to see if I can make some type of impact. You know, leading the front office, which it'll trickle down all the way to the player." I didn't know that I was going to have a chance to be a part of the field you know, being on the field, being one-on-one with players on an everyday basis. So having that opportunity, I think the timing was, it was godsend, you know, it was was great to to, to be able to do that. Uh, Other than that, I mean, I didn't think, uh, and I've talked to, uh, that's another conversation that I've had with the staff, is that that first year when I was, when I ended up signing my contract to be a pitching coach, for the Navigators, I didn't know, I honestly, I was nervous because I didn't know that I had enough information that I could pass enough information to these players to help them. I just felt like I didn't because, you know, I was overwhelmed and the staff we had, guys are going from these, you know, Division One schools, top tier Division Two schools and all this stuff, good Division Threes. And I was like, how am I going to be able to relate to these guys, to my experiences and my knowledge of the game and pitching you know, the analytical part of it, but also the mechanical part of it on how to, you know, throw efficiently. So, but I, I think after that year in, in building those relationships and those bonds with those players, I was able to do that, you know, and, and we had a lot of success that year and, and it was attributed to those relationships that I had with those players, but also doing the research that I needed to do to make sure that I had the information or I was willing enough to go look for it to put them in a good situation to succeed.
0: Yeah, and you've certainly helped a number of players succeed. So that's that's awesome that you continue that through the futures league for sure. And we wanted to ask, of course, we're or we're recording this on Saturday, as mentioned. We're releasing on Monday. And the day in between is Father's Day. We wanted to wish you a happy Father's Day. And oh, thank you. And ask, you <laughs> actually had a had your second child during the 2020 season. So, what is it like to celebrate Father's Day as a dad, and what was it like experiencing kind of a Futures League baby, if you will, during the summer last year?
2: It was absolutely nuts. I mean, Kay Jackson, tell you, my my, my wife, you know, she was getting uh, uh what is it, the um, uh, uh, the ha- the so it's like it, they, they they weren't contractions, they they uh, Braxton Hicks or whatever they were called.
0: The Braxton Hicks contractions. And Braxton
2: Hicks, yeah. And she was getting those and I'm like, I'm calling K-Jax, I'm like, hey man, I'm not gonna be able to make the game. I think the babies do. And that lasted for like like three or four weeks, like every single day until August 6th. Going to the hospital, like we couldn't even leave the hospital. Like we had to wear the mask, you know, throughout you know, the, the delivery, you know, after, you know, post delivery, it was nuts. And then on top of that, going back to the team, you know, the team was so supportive. I was getting text messages from the guys. And I would go back and say, coach, hey, is the baby out yet? And I'm like, not yet. I think tomorrow. But what was what was really special when we when we won, Katie, our assistant GM, brought it up. She grabbed the trophy. She's like, hey, put the baby inside of it. So we put Asen inside of the trophy, and then we take a picture of it. And, and, and we have that picture. It was great. It was phenomenal. Every time I look at that picture, it brings me back to that game. It was, it was, it was quite amazing.
0: That's fantastic. And, yeah, I was on the field when the baby was being put in the trophy and I was just laughing That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And before we get to our final segment, how about a message to Silver Knight fans?
2: Uh, I'll tell you this, Nashua, uh, playing in Nashua at Daniel Webster College, having the support that you guys have given me and, and given our programs in Nashua, whether it's, you know, Daniel Webster, whether it's the Silver Knights, and all the other colleges and in the surrounding area. I just want to thank everyone for, for the love and the inspiration and the support that you've given us, even through this tough time through COVID. Last year was kind of scary because we, we didn't know what to expect, like if we were going to have a season or not. And if it wasn't for your support, I don't think we would have made that happen. And I just want to thank Nashua. And it's, it's been a blessing to, to, to be a coach in Nashua. And uh, let's keep it going. You know, I appreciate, we appreciate you.
0: Yeah, Johnny talked about it. The crowd the other night was electric. So hopefully they can keep that up and keep it going for the rest of the summer.
2: It was right there. It, it, it was like a championship game. Like it was, we, we had we had to have at least over a thousand people there. Everyone was cheering. You know, you know how it is at Holman Stadium. The fans are like right on top of you. So it's like, it was a defining moment, I, I think. In the team, where we had a good meeting beforehand, we had a, a transparent meeting where the meeting was, you know, having, you know, getting the intake of what the players thought of what the streak that that we were that we were having and what we needed to do. But I think when everyone's seen and realized that, hey, it's not about us and how good or how bad we play, but it's about our fans in Nashua. I think that, that's what kind of stepped it up and that, that, that's what brought
0: everything together. Yeah, and that's going to be fun to see for the rest of the summer, for sure. Before we get back to our interview with Ariel Ramos, we want to share a message from our friends at On Demand Storage. Are you tired of living in clutter? Do you need more space around your home or office? Are you sick of visiting your self-storage unit? Does your business need a way to securely and conveniently store excess materials? On Demand Storage will pick up your items directly from your location and put them in storage for you. When you want something put back, give us a call and we can deliver it back right away. We bring convenience to the outdated self storage process. Visit ondemandstorage.com and submit an inquiry. During sign up, mention the Futures League and receive 50% off your storage pickup. Once again, that's ondemandstorage, all one word.com. We now return to our interview with Ariel Ramos. And we now move on to our final segment. It's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr, high quality and innovative design since 1993. So, Ariel, we have a couple more questions for our audience to get to know you better. Is that cool?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's do
0: it. Favorite player that you've coached in the FCBL? Oh, that's a tough one.
2: Favorite player. No, it's not really that tough it's Nick Garino. Like I said, you know, he's a, he's a fierce warrior on the mound. His, his routine, the stuff that he needs to do beforehand in order to compete. I mean, he's asking me days before his start, like, Hey, I I want all the numbers on this team, all the stats, who's righty, who's lefty. And he's taking all that stuff in. He's taking mental notes. He's also taking his own notes and taking inventory of what he was doing. He's open to suggestions on what type of pitch to throw into to different batters you know tunneling and and pitch designing to make him effective and man i'm telling you he asks me questions sometimes i'm just like hold on a minute just give me a little bit let me go look for those answers because he's he's definitely in tuned with the game you know his iq is is up there so it's it's always a pleasure to have to have greeno back you know the second year in, in Nashville, so I think he would you would have to be. Nothing against the other guys, right? Of course, of course. Uh, I, I still talk I still talk to the the, the twenty twenty team. I still talk to some of the Navs guys that I had in nineteen. But uh, Nick Carino is is, is def, uh, he's a hard worker, and um, yeah, he's he's definitely the player.
0: Yeah, we saw that in tuneness with the game in episode one when you talked to us. So that that makes a lot of sense that you would say. Right.
2: it was tough you guys put me in a tough spot man
0: (laughs) you're not the only one we asked though so don't worry
2: there's you know i'm saying in those three years i've probably had to see maybe 80 pitchers and all in unique in their in their own ways and and i've had really good relationships with with the majority if not all
0: of
1: them so we're here for that hard-hitting reporting
0: And then, how about your favorite ballpark in the FCBL and a ballpark in general that you've attended as a fan?
2: Man, Holman, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade Holman. I wouldn't trade Holman for the life. It's just the history of Holman, that that old school feel that that Holman brings. The the fans when when, when they come in, like yesterday, was amazing. And regardless of of what we've got, what we've gone through the past six or seven games, we've had. That much, that many people show up to our games, mad dog cheering and beating on his drum. We've had people cheering us on and and supporting us like and it's just the atmosphere. You know, I I joke around with the guys and like literally Nashua is uh, is the equivalent of this league like Fenway Park is to is to Major League Baseball it's just that atmosphere, the fans, the, the field, the, and just the environment, the, the support that you get you know, from the organization from the top down. Uh, as, a, as a fan, um, I actually, Norwich, if I would have signed with Detroit when I went to the Dominican, Norwich would have been my stop as an American citizen. So I actually had a chance, I was, I was stationed in Groton, Connecticut, which is like right next door. So I got to go to one of their games and I, I think that that has to be the second best field in, in, in the future's league. Then again, I, I haven't gone to Vermont. We haven't gone to Vermont. That's that's this week coming up.
0: Yeah. That'll be an exciting trip. And Dodd stadium is very nice as they right. multiple times on this podcast. So for sure. And then how about a sports stadium or sporting event that's on your bucket list?
2: Ooh, I've already gone to, I've already gone to, Foxborough. I'd really like to go to the Marlins Stadium, the, the 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 new one. Now, I've gone to Yankee Stadium. I've gone to uh, AT&T Park, uh, but I, I think I think just seeing that 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 new stadium would would probably that, that's one of the only one of the only stadiums that I haven't gone to yet. So I'm looking forward to that at some point. I, I
0: gotta wait till the kids get older. That's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Family yeah. trip. Family trip for sure. Yeah. Family trip. And how about favorite big league team and big league player, whether it's current or historical? I
2: grew up being a Red Sox fan, as you can see. You know, to my right, to my left, I got the old Yankees uh, with Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter and all that. I grew up as a Red Sox fan. I, I, I love the organization. I love the field going into Fenway, you know, getting the goosebumps going in. Historically, has to be Pedro Martinez, just because of his electricity, you know, as a player. He was short by by average as a pitcher, but he showed so much heart. Like, you know, he was 5'10", 5'11", they had him listed, I think he was shorter than that. But every time that he went out there, his main focus was to pound the strike zone regardless of who was coming. So I, I think that that fierce intensity is something that I, as, as a player, when I pitch it, it, try to emulate, you know, I, I had a chip on my shoulder. It's like I'm going to blow it past you. I'm going to make sure that I throw my best pitch, and it's going to have intention, and I'm going to throw it with conviction.
1: Yeah, that's mine too. I've been 45 for quite a while because of him. So, when you walked up to the mound, what was your walk-up music?
2: So, <laughs> it was uh, it was funny because we 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 heard it we we heard it the other day. It was uh, Daddy Yankee Gasolina. Uh, you know, I, I'm 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 old school, so I, I heard it. I, I forgot where it was. Um, I forgot what team it was, but they played it, and everyone's like, "It's like, yeah, I haven't heard this song since middle school." I was like, "I was jamming to this song in high school." <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, yeah, it was, it was Daddy Yankee. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. So, are you superstitious at all? Whether it was when you were a player and now as a coach?
2: No. So I, I've always. Don't don't believe in superstition. Uh, I believe in I believe in faith. Right. I'm a Christian, so I, I believe in Jesus, you know, and, and the plans that he has for us. That, that's what I was talking to, to you guys about is timing. I think at the Navs, you know, being at the right place at the right time gave me the opportunity to be the pitching coach there, you know, to have the opportunity to meet Kay Jax and, you know, in the Silver Knights organization and to be able to make an impact there. I, I believe in that. I believe in faith. Rather than superstition, you know, I joke around with the guys. I'm like, man, I'm gonna shave off my beard, you know, I'm gonna do this and do that, you know, just just for giggles. But no, I I don't I don't believe in it.
1: And when you're going to the game as a fan, what's your what are you getting at the concession stand?
2: Oh man, I'm getting a pretzel. That's what I'm getting. I don't drink, so I'm getting a pretzel and probably a soda, some sort. But then again, I mean, you have. Like, I, I honestly think, too, I mean, in Holman, I mean, we, we have some of the best food. I mean, our, the, the, the Cretan Catering Company does a great job. I mean, the, the cheeseburgers are great. I, mean, I, I think if it's not the pretzel, it's definitely going to be the cheeseburger.
1: Yeah, definitely. The Cretans have treated us to some of those as well. So thanks. Thanks to them, as always. And are you a bubblegum guy or sunflower seeds guy?
2: I am a bubblegums guy. But I like the mint flavored. I'm I'm not I'm not so much of the, the old school, you know. And if I do seeds, it's got to be it's just a, it's just the salted ones. I don't like the, uh, you know. I'm just a, a regular guy. I'm very, uh, I guess you could say, you know, just just original, you know. If I'm gonna do the sunflower seeds, it's just the salted ones. It's not it's not any of the ranch or the barbecue or any of like that.
1: Yeah, I remember in, in little league, I, I had like one of the flavored ones, and my hands are sticky the rest of the game, and I haven't had them since. <laughs> So this this might be a tough one because you have a couple rings. You threw a no-hitter. What's your all-time favorite baseball memory?
2: All-time favorite baseball memory? It has to be last year winning the championship. The reason why I say that is because I had my family there. The support that I have with my wife and, and, and my kids, you know, wanting to be there. And just having the newborn there and then just having that conversation. I remember, you know, sitting back with KJX, He's like, He's like, is this your first one? I was like, no, this isn't my first rodeo. <laughs> He's like, you know, you seem pretty relaxed. He was just kind of nervous, you know, moving around. I'm like, don't worry about it. If if it's meant to be, it's gonna be. But I I think it was last year winning that championship with the group of guys that we had. It was, it was, it was magical. It was great.
0: Yeah, it was so fun to watch from the press box and the sidelines. And it was awesome to see you guys come out on the other side. It was fantastic. Yeah, I know it's Well, Ariel, thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck with everything, and we can't wait to see you in the Silver Knights at Holman Stadium all season long.
2: Awesome. Guys, I appreciate it again. It's it's, it's an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Ariel. All right. This has been episode 13 of season three of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.